Most of us have a lot of sympathy for people who struggle with physical health issues. But often, we're actually very critical of people who suffer from mental health issues. Why is that? Join with me as we discuss Mental Health Sunday. Hi, Paul Shepard here. Welcome to the podcast. You know, some people think that having faith means believing a bunch of things that you know are impossible. But here at Rational Christianity, we take a rational approach to understanding the Christian faith. We combine history, science, the Bible, common sense, and an understanding of human nature to make Christianity make sense. Everyone is welcome here. This week, we celebrate Mental Health Sunday. And, you know, I hope that surprises some of you listening, because the Church has not always been very loving to people who suffer from mental health issues. One reason for that is that the Bible does not address mental health in any way that is helpful today. And given the age of the Bible, we really should not expect it to. For example, some biblical texts say that a person who suffers from mental health is possessed by demons. Some texts declare that the person who suffers mental health is intentionally being punished by God for something. Well, I refuse to worship any God who would do that. Why on earth does the Church celebrate Mental Health Sunday when we have such a pathetic track record helping people who suffer from mental health? Well, that's a good question, and I hope we feel we have some sort of answer by the end of this episode. One of the national news sources in Canada is called the CBC, the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. This week, one of their news stories was titled, quote, Some Canadians Fear Mental Health Groups Are Reinforcing Stigma by Erasing Schizophrenia from Their Names, end quote. Because it turns out that some mental health organizations in Canada are removing the word schizophrenia from their names. For example, in 2020, the Schizophrenia Society of Ontario changed their name to the Institute for Advancements in Mental Health. According to their CEO, Mary Liberty, the change was in part because their clients requested the change. Even people who had received a great deal of support from the society were uncomfortable because of increasing stigma. Some clients said things like, quote, please do not mail us anything that has a return address with the words Schizophrenia Society on it, because we feel very uncomfortable with that, end quote. Schizophrenia affects about 320,000 Canadians, or about 1% of the population. It's actually pretty common. And yet, despite how common the illness is, some organizations say they find it difficult to raise funds and support for schizophrenia research due to the stigma surrounding the illness. But people who live with schizophrenia say that removing the word schizophrenia from the names of these organizations will only further stigmatize the very people who need their help. And I, for one, do not blame the agencies for this change. I blame all of us as a society. Because the truth is that some illnesses are spoken of freely, and some illnesses are always unnamed or spoken in hushed tones. I see this in Canadian society, and yes, I see it in our churches, too. I speak with many people about their life problems, and many people I talk with speak quite openly and freely about physical illnesses, like cancer or diabetes. But most people shy away from speaking about mental illnesses. 
And the underlying assumption is that with a physical illness, like cancer, let's say, the illness is not the person's fault. The person was just unlucky. But with mental illnesses, there is often an underlying assumption that the illness is the person's fault, at some weird level anyway. And unfortunately, the Bible projects that attitude as well. But that is wrong. Mental illnesses are rarely the fault of the person, if it even makes sense to talk about fault in the context of mental health. And when people I visit do find ways to talk about mental health, even there, it turns out some mental illnesses are seen as socially acceptable and some are not. People I speak with who are willing to talk about mental health issues will very quickly, or relatively quickly, name conditions like anxiety, depression, dementia. But people really shy away from telling stories about themselves or loved ones who suffer from less socially acceptable illnesses, like schizophrenia, like borderline personality disorder, like bipolar disorder, like post-traumatic stress disorder, and like any eating disorder. In general, it seems we are more comfortable with physical illnesses, particularly ones we can see visibly. But we are, in general, uncomfortable with people who have invisible mental health issues. You know, we might sympathize with a cancer patient, and then we turn around and we meet a person with depression, and we think to ourselves, why can't they just pull themselves together? As a society, we sympathize with people with physical conditions, and we critique people with mental health conditions. At least that's the behavior I see all the time. One point of confusion, perhaps, is that we often think that a person either has a mental health issue or they do not. It's pass-fail, yes, no, right? Well, I do not think so. I mean, think about your own physical health. None of us are 100% healthy, and none of us are 0% healthy. We all create our own balance between being physically healthy and being physically unhealthy. It is not all or nothing. And it's the same thing with mental health. None of us are 100% mentally healthy. And none of us are 0% mentally healthy. We all create our own balance between being mentally healthy and being mentally unhealthy. So what is a constructive path forwards? What are we as a society to do? And I want to read a short story from the Bible, because this story demonstrates one option for how to move forwards. I'm reading from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 8, beginning in verse 1. Quote, When Jesus had come down from the mountain, great crowds followed him. And there was a leper who came to Jesus and knelt before him, saying, Lord, if you choose, you can make me clean. Jesus stretched out his hand and touched the man and said, I do choose, be made clean. Immediately the man's leprosy was cleansed. Then Jesus said to the man, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go and show yourself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded. Wait a minute, is that the right story? That story is about Jesus healing a leper. What does that have to do with mental health? Well, I invite you to consider this. In the Bible, the meaning of the word leper is a little bit unclear. I mean, it's a skin condition, but beyond that, it's pretty unclear. And 2,000 years ago, people's understanding of medicine was very different than today. And so scholars today actually debate what the word leper refers to in the Bible. But one thing is certain. 
Leprosy was a condition that meant that you were ejected from your own community. Leprosy meant that you were not welcome in your own community. In those days, in that culture, lepers were banished. And what was the cure for leprosy? Well, the cure was to have the priest declare that you were clean again and to make the appropriate offering to the temple. The cure was not medical. The cure was social. The cure was to be told by the priest, Okay, you can come back now. You are acceptable again. You are welcome back to the fold. Presumably the physical condition that caused you to be banished had to clear up too. But the essential cure was social, not medical. And that is perhaps the process we need to use in our own society and our churches regarding mental health. Because of our biases, stigmas, people who suffer with mental health often feel shunned and rejected. Sometimes we basically push people who struggle with mental health out of our communities. And at other times, perhaps we just do not make enough space for everyone to find their home in our community. Society has a long history of expelling people from their own communities. We are very good at othering people. We other people who make us uncomfortable. Instead of coming to terms with our own hang-ups, it seems easier just to get rid of a few troublemakers, right? Well, consider this. You know me as a podcaster or perhaps as a minister. You will not be surprised to hear I'm also a husband, a father, a cyclist. But if tomorrow I was to go to a doctor, and if I was told that I had cancer, well, some people would say that I became a cancer patient. But hang on a minute. Are you telling me that getting a diagnosis changes my identity? Does getting a diagnosis of cancer mean that I'm no longer a podcaster, a minister, a husband, and all that other stuff? Sometimes a person with a condition that makes us uncomfortable in our minds becomes that condition. We have a lot of language for this, you know. I mean, a person with diabetes becomes a diabetic. A person with depression becomes a depressive. A person who struggles with alcohol becomes an alcoholic. In our minds, at least, sometimes a person with a condition stops being a person. They become the condition. And when we think like that, we essentially kick that person out of our community. We actually kick them out of their own community. But people with conditions are still people. They are still our family, our friends, our neighbors. They are still us. And so I encourage all of us to consider our own relationship with mental health. Are we brave enough to name the barriers that we ourselves have put in place to separate us from people who suffer from mental health? Those barriers that we, as a society, have created are not a reflection of the person suffering from mental health. The barriers are a reflection of our own insecurities. Maybe it's time to fix that. Maybe it's time to welcome everyone home. Amen. Hi again, and thanks for joining in today. I'm Rev. Dr. Paul Shepard, a minister with the United Church of Canada, currently serving at Sydenham Heritage United Church in Brantford, Ontario. I'm also an environmental scientist with a PhD in physics. I am passionate about making Christianity make sense. Please subscribe to the channel and feel free to visit the church, either in person or online. You might also enjoy my book, Evolving Christianity, 
which is about taking a scientific, rational approach to Christianity in order to fight racism and other social diseases. I hope you have a great day. We'll see you next time.